Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. versus reality i'm anastasia morgan's with me as always how you doing mo i'm here <laughs> right before we started recording we were talking about how um that song where you hit the note really high is maya rudolph's uh mother singing sorry okay <laughs> that's that's probably enough. That's enough. I mean, she has passed, but don't sue us, Maya Rudolph. Oh yeah, it wasn't I, enough. It was yeah. Well, you know, just an artistic r- reconstruction of it. True. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were just talking about that. But hi guys. So today we are doing Terry Pollen versus. I can't sleep, which Ooh. is, yes? I looked it up um, on how to pronounce it. Yes. It's Thierry Poulon. Thierry Poulon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poulon. Um, so, yeah, I took four years of French, actually. Um, and I feel like I'm going to pronounce most of this stuff pretty right. Um, but I'm human. Either one of us might pronounce a couple of things wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, will you say that? Will you say that again? <laughs> Terry Polon. Polon. Okay, so Poulon. I'm just going to say Terry the way, yeah. it, like, you know, anglophile it. Yeah. It sounds like Terry. Well, yeah. Terry. And that's, I'm, I'm not going to do the French accent every time is what I'm getting at. I will. I'll be like, Thierry Poulon. <laughs> that was, that sounded pretty good. It was good? Oh, yay. Well, I mean, I mean, a little exaggerated, but the pronunciation was good. Good. I never took French and I have no idea. I just know you don't pronounce the last letter. <laughs> uh, most of the time. Um, yeah. There's definitely exceptions to the rule, like any language. Um, yeah, so Terry Polo. Uh, he, yeah, that's what we're doing today. Um, and his accomplice, because he had a lover accomplice. It's not just him. So they're kind of known as the granny killers, also the monster of Montmont. I think that uh, didn't quite pronounce all the way, but uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. Morgan, um, how'd you feel about this movie? I wanted it to end. <laughs> it just wouldn't end. It just kept dragging on, and I thought Fair. character development was very poor. 
Um, so this is definitely what I would call an art film. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of long gazes at characters and, like, parts that I feel like some of the, um, long gazing scenes that just kind of meander, some of them I feel like are kind of important, but others, I feel like they definitely could have cut short and gotten the same point across. Um... But, I don't know, man. Claire, Dennis, uh, Denise is an auteur, and uh, this was, you know, her creative choice. Um, It definitely runs long, in my opinion. I didn't hate it. Um, I wish it was shorter. But I watch shit like this all the time. So, (laughs) Uh, when I'm not watching horror movies, I'm watching what some might call pretentious foreign film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's like my my the dichotomy of my watching um yeah like i watch normal things too like mark and i watched the mummy the other day but if it's just me watching something it's either going to be horror or something incredibly um hard to wrap your head around <laughs> yeah this one was just uh, just dragged on and on and i was like what who is this chick and why does she matter she has Literally barely any speaking parts. She just stares at people. And they're like, you're so pretty. And that's it. Yeah, they base... So, as a plot device, there's a character that I don't think has anything to do with the actual story. And it kind of revolves around her, sort of, to tell their story. Uh, Terry Polo and his lover. Um, and, you know, just all the, the murders. Uh, it's a weird backdrop, honestly. You also don't know that he's the killer until, um, I don't know, like midway through the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did, obviously, because we're doing this case. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you wouldn't immediately know that it's about a serial killer when watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the background. Yeah, it's it's odd. Um, you don't really know why you're watching all these people. I feel <laughs> I like. Right? Yeah, no, you don't. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> like, this isn't adding up. And it's like these people all seem more or less unrelated. There's like only a couple of like small things that connect them. Um, and then it's like, oh, I, I guess that's why we've been staring at these people for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I feel like Claire Denise's uh, work really blossoms from here. She's an incredible director, honestly, and a good writer as well. Um, this is not her best film. And, you know, if you want to see what is, in my opinion, her best film... I it's it's not what everyone's gonna call her best film, but it's my favorite film of hers, and that's Trouble Every Day. And uh, it's the first film of hers that I've ever saw, and it's a horror film. It's part of the new French extremity, and I'm gonna get into all that in a minute. But yeah, go watch that if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna see something else of hers to give you more perspective. What's all it right. called? Uh, Trouble Every Day. Every day. It's on Amazon. Okay. 
It has Vincent Gallo in it. Ooh. I know you know who Vincent Gallo is. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Brown Bunny. <laughs> do you remember what happens in Brown Bunny? I do not. Um, famously, Chloe Sevigny was dating Vincent Gallo at the time. And she gave him head on screen for real. What? Yeah. Wow. What? Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Is it like... It's not a good movie, but that does happen in it. What were you going to ask? I was just going to say you can see it all, or no? Um, You know what's happening. I'm pretty sure you kind of see some stuff. I don't know how much of his dick you see. Like, I don't know how... I don't remember how hardcore it is, but... <laughs> you see it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm gonna get into this. So... <clears throat> I can't sleep from 1994. Um, so, let's talk about... more about Claire uh, Denise. Uh, she's a French film director and writer... Her feature film was Beau Travel uh, from 19, I mean, 1989. And, oh, no, 1999. Has been called one of the greatest films of the 1990s, like, in the entire world. Um, other acclaimed works include Trouble Every Day, which I was just talking about. 35 Shots of Rum from 2008. 2009's White Material. And 2018's High Life, which uh, actually starred Robert Pattinson. Um, so her work has dealt with themes of colonial and post-colonial West Africa, as well as issues in modern France, and continues to influence European cinematic identity. Uh, I want to talk briefly about Trouble Every Day, like what I was just talking about. So it's her first foray, it's really her only foray into the new French extremism. I feel like I've talked about this trend in French cinema before, But for those who aren't in the know, the new French extremism or extremity can be defined as a term coined by art forum critic James Quant for a collection of transgressive films usually categorized by gore by French directors at the turn of the 21st century. Um, They're very gory, (laughs) by the way. Uh, Anyway, so Trouble Every Day was the first Claire Denise film I ever watched. And it's the second uh, Beatrice Dahl film that uh, Claire Denise uh, does. She's also in this film, Trouble Every Day. I mean, she's in Trouble Every Day and I Can't Sleep. Uh, so the film follows an American couple. Trouble. This is Trouble Every Day, by the way. It follows an American couple on holiday in Paris. Um, but they're not really there for their honeymoon. Um the husband's up to something. Uh, that's really all I can say. It's really great. Uh, I like a lot of the new fringe extremity, but I gotta tell you, it is not for everyone. Some people would call the new fringe extremism and extremity uh, French torture porn. I don't feel like that's true. It is definitely that violent, but I feel like there's a reason for the violence in a way that there's not a reason for the violence 
and American torture porn, if that makes sense. I feel like it pushes the plot forward more. The torture scenes? Yes. Is it in this movie that's that's pretty pretty torturous? Oh, trouble every day? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some scenes. Sure. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I wouldn't say torturous. It's just deeply gory. They show you lots and lots of gore. Buckets and buckets of gore. And not in a, like, Herschel Gordon Lewis kind of way. Like, far more realistic. <laughs> it's not buckets of blood that look like paint, like an Italian giallo. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, that's so true, though. If you've ever watched a giallo, the blood all looks like red paint. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's- very... It's not good. Real looking. <laughs> no, and that's what makes those so easy to watch, too. Like, they don't make you feel squeamish at all. <laughs> and it's, like, Technicolor red, too. Yeah, I'm surprised that you can watch the French films when you get you get uh, nauseous with me telling you stories. <laughs> like, gross stories. Um, I didn't say that I don't pause these movies when I watch them. <laughs> you 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 uh, have ginger ale and crackers at your side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I take like a uh, what do you call it? Like the motion sickness drug. <laughs> sometimes I'll take one of those beforehand. Dramamine. Yeah. Sometimes I'll take a non-drowsy Dramamine. <laughs> yeah. Look, I have. You're hardcore. <laughs> I am hardcore. You know, it does this to me, but I still love it. And it's fine. It's fine. All right. So let's talk about Beatrice Dahl. She plays Mona in the film, um, which is Terry Pullen's character's brother's wife. (laughs) But I'll get into that. Okay. So um, working as a model when she, she was, Beatrice Dahl was working as a model when she met filmmaker Jean-Jacques Binet. Uh, Binet cast her in the lead role of the 1986 film 37.2 Degrees Le Montant, later released in the UK and USA as Betty Blue, uh, which received BAFTA and Oscar nominations for Best Foreign Language Film and made uh, Dahl a star. She went on to star in a variety of French films before appearing in AHA's music video for Move to Memphis, Dude, did you know that the band AHA is Norwegian? No. Yeah. You know the song Take On Me? Take on me. I knew they weren't English and they weren't. I didn't know where what they were. I knew they weren't English or American. I had no idea. They're freaking, they're freaking Norwegian. Yeah. I thought it was Swedish for some reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. In doing research for this, I discovered that AHA is Norwegian. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, in 2001, Dahl appeared in the previously mentioned Trouble Every Day, and then in 2007, started another now classic new French extremity film, Inside. I could literally do a segment called French Cinema with Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I should. Maybe I'll do that. Um, Maybe we'll do mini episodes. I don't know. Uh, So, 
if you want to go watch Inside, make sure to watch the one that actually has Beatrice Dahl in it. Do not watch the remake. It's fucking awful, and there's definitely shit lost in translation there. Um, Inside's great. It's about a woman who's pregnant and is being terrorized by another woman trying to steal the baby out of her. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking horrifying. Mm. Especially as a woman. I couldn't imagine watching that pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) No. Like, that sounds like a bad idea. Um, Or maybe a great idea. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it depends. (laughs) Uh, So Beatrice Dell has had a really colorful personal life. Um, She's been arrested multiple times for shoplifting, drug possession, and assault. Uh, Oh, yeah. While researching a prison film, she met and married Gunal Meziani, who at the time was serving a 12-year sentence for raping and assaulting his ex-girlfriend. Dahl married him after 24 one-hour visits. That's fucking bananas. Wow. Who would do do that? What a crazy lady. She a little special it sounds like yeah um, she did later say of the marriage that it was a complete disaster <laughs> which I can fucking imagine wow you married someone who raped his ex-girlfriend while he was in jail for doing that genius <laughs> yeah that's, that's signing up for a disaster yeah I'll never understand the like love and lock up people like no uh, I can't. I can't. I don't Anybody who found love during lockup, please write our email. We want to yeah, hear about it. Explain to us why you fell in love with a criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is so alluring? Yes. Um. So Yekaterina Golobeva played Dega, who is the Russian. Uh, she's a Russian actress and writer known for "I Can't Sleep" and "Notches." Ponsavat. Uh, she had a nearly lifelong battle with depression and died by suicide in 2011 in Paris. Hmm. Bit of a downer. Yeah. Um, so Richard Corset played Camille, uh, which is the Terry Polion character. Uh, he's a French actor with honestly not many credits, acting credits. Uh, he's known for I Can't Sleep, Nanette Eponi, uh, from 1996, and another Denise film, uh, Beau Travail. Uh, also, Alex Des- Descos plays Theo. Uh, he's a French star known for Trouble Every Day. Mm. Oh. Uh, yes. Uh, yet another actor to have repeat work with Dennis, and for that matter, Dal. Uh he was also in Jim Jarmusch's uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. Oh. As, yeah. As well as 2009's The Limits of Control. Um, Irina Drabina, uh, who plays Minnie. Yeah. Who plays <laughs> Minnie Dega's great aunt. Uh, she was a Russian ballet dancer who worked at the Opera Russe de Paris and who later established a school of choreography of her own Russian ballet company. She had a few acting roles 
in films such as Dead Certain, Return to the Beloved, and All Night All Cats Are Crazy. Uh, she passed away in 1994 at age 86. Uh, Lion Renard played Ninon. Uh, he is a French singer, or she, I'm sorry, she is a French singer, actress, and AIDS activist. She's had a long, full career from TV to theater to cinema, including a stint singing at the Moulin Rouge, where she met Bob Hope and went on to have a recurring role on the Bob Hope show. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Crazy, right? All right. She's lived an interesting life. Well, all right, so let's get into this movie. The meat and potatoes of it, if you will. So, the film starts with Dega. She's a woman from Lithuania who immigrates to Paris with little money, hoping to, sc- hoping to secure herself a job as an actor. On her first day in the city, she's hassled by police before finally arriving at her great aunt's. Uh, she begins work as a maid in the hotel of a friend of her great aunt. Uh, that's Ninon. Uh, as it is, the only work uh, and place to stay that she can find. And it's, it's Ninon basically does this as charity because Minnie basically is like, hey, you know, we're both Lithuanians. We look out for each other. Give my niece a place to stay. She basically bullies her into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she starts working as a maid there. And at one point, she goes into town by herself, only to narrowly escape from a man with sexual and potential harmful intentions. He, like, keeps hassling her and, like, chasing her. And she runs into, I think, a porn theater. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I. That's the only part of this movie that I liked. Yeah. She- <laughs> Because she's like, hey, I'm eating this crepe, and this guy won't leave me alone. And then she just throws the crepe on the ground and runs in an alley. I'm like, you dumbass, why are you running in a deserted alley? And then she goes into a porn theater and sits down, but makes her way through the crowd first. And, like, all these men are just staring at her. Yeah. Like, like, it's a hardcore. Well, it wasn't really hardcore, but there's a porn on the screen. My be- okay, <laughs> let's get back to it. One second. So, Nega goes into the porn theater, and she sits in between two people <laughs> who both seem to enjoy the empty seat between them, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, Dega laughs loudly at an apparently inappropriate time in the film, and it's clear it is nervous laughter as she just made this narrow escape. And they're all fucking staring at her. It's fucking hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is my favorite part of the whole film, honestly. Yeah. It's a great little, little scene. Yeah, you're like, oh, she's going to the theater. Yeah, that'll be good because she'll hide because it's dark in there. And <laughs> it's oh, like it's a porn theater. <laughs> everybody's got their dick out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, so at the same time all this is going on, Teo is embroiled in a fight with his wife, played by Beatrice Dell, uh, as he wants to leave for Martinique with their young son while she wants to remain in Paris. He is infrequently visited by his brother Camille, who is the Terry Poulon character. There's one scene that shows Teo working, presumably under the table by the way the woman who has employed him talks to him, 
he puts a large shelf, a large bookshelf together, only to have her suggest that he rebuild it on the other side of the room. And he's just completely annoyed, and he gathers his equipment and hands her the bill. And she tries to stiff him by like a thousand francs. I did the math. That's close to 200 American dollars for reference. Uh, he eventually leaves with the money. He was presumably not without a hollow threat from his employer about tax dodging because he's in France illegally. Um, meanwhile, the city is on edge because a series of violent murders that have been targeted that have targeted elderly women living alone. We get a scene of Dega and her aunt watching a self-defense class for middle-aged to elderly women, no doubt because of the serial killings. And at this point, Mona has come back to attempt a reconciliation with Teo, but he still wants to move to Martinique, a place he later describes as paradise. You don't need money or clothes. You barter and live in a banana leaf hut. <laughs> That's literally what he says, and that is not fucking paradise. Oh yeah. my god. And I don't think that's true at all. No, it's not. That's A, it's not true, and that's not paradise. That's abject poverty. Yeah, and that's you, like, having to find your food every fucking day. Like, yeah, it's not find water, running water. It's irresponsible. <laughs> it's not salt you have a water. young child. You yeah, fucking kid, dude. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be one thing if you grew up in a remote village in the fucking Amazon, but you didn't. <laughs> yeah, he grew up in Paris. Very, yeah. very yeah. different. Yeah, or I guess he grew up in Martinique partly and then partly in Paris. Yeah. Because um, I guess this is his stepbrother. They don't really explain it in the film, but like as far as Terry Pollan goes, he only had like stepbrothers. So. Yeah, or half brothers. Yeah, so it would have to be something kind of like that. But again, they don't explain that at all in the movie so whatever i don't know uh yeah so the city's on edge um oh yeah mona's come back to attempt to reconcile and he said all that crazy stuff about living in martinique um no that's clearly not for mona and she's made that pretty clear a little later we see camille doing drag uh, I say this with a little question mark because he, it's okay. So there's conflicting reports about whether or not he's transgendered or if he was doing drag or if he ever actually performed on stage. And in the movie, he's in such a we- it's like he's doing this drag show in the hall and he doesn't really have makeup on. It's just like he's kind of in a dress. It's like a wig, right? Doesn't he have a wig on? Um, I, I don't, I don't think remember. he has a wig on. I think that's just his hair. Yeah, that's a real song. They just played it. He didn't yeah, I know. It. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not... Okay, my Americanized version of drag that I'm used to is, like, a level of makeup that looks like makes you look like an entirely different person. Yeah. And he has no makeup on. Or very little makeup on. And um, he's just kind of in a dress. I mean, so, he really did drag. There's pictures of the real Thierry. Oh, I know. But there was, um, I guess, debate on whether he actually ever got paid for it. Oh. Yeah, like whether he worked at that nightclub or not. Oh, yeah. It says he he did later. 
He yeah, was I'm, a waiter, and then he came back to Paris, yeah. and then he started doing drag shows. Okay, I knew that he was a waiter there, but I've gotten, I've read different things that said that he was only a waiter there, and that he lied about actually performing there, so I just wasn't really sure. He probably yeah. did it once. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just one but time. Yeah. So this scene's kind of strange. Like I said, um, it's almost like he's in a hallway. He's only wearing a dress. He has very minimal makeup on. He's like mouthing this song, like lip syncing this song. And there's dudes lined up on either side of the wall. And he just like comes over and sings at them and touches them. And it's odd. It's an odd scene. It's very French. It's very French, but it's also very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very intimate. Um, intimate. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird scene. Do you agree? Yeah, I thought it was really weird. Yeah. And it was random, too. It's kind of random. I mean, it does show you a little more of his inner life, but I don't know. It, it's, it's odd. It's odd. And I think it's just her way of character building, but I don't know. Anyway. So, Camille and his lover have been renting a room at the hotel that Dega works at for at least a month or so. At about an hour and two minutes into the movie, you discover that Camille and his lover are the killers. Just before a murder scene, the first one we've actually seen in the whole movie, um, Camille and his lover are arguing. Camille asks him, are you afraid of me? And his lover replies, I love you, but it's pretty clear that he both loves Camille as well as he fears him. And the fear might be winning over at this point. Um, eventually, Dega begins to follow Camille around and figures out that he is the murderer after spotting a police sketch of his face. Um, after She breaks into his room and she finds a bag of cash and she shoves it down her pants. She shoves it in her pockets. She shoves it everywhere she can shove it <laughs> in her and I think she shoves it in her bra some. Like, she's shoving cash all over herself. <laughs> um, yeah, she is. Uh, and then she leaves and goes back to Lithuania. She's like, I'm out. Um, yeah, fuck this place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Camilla's spotted by the police after one of his victims recovers enough to give a description of him. Um, Taya was brought downtown to the police station for questioning but insists that far from having anything to do with the murders, he remained unaware of what his brother was doing the entire time. And I mean, from what we see of the movie, that seems clear. He's got his own shit going on. He's having this battle with his wife. He doesn't know what the fuck his brother's up to. Yeah, he's having a little, um, a hard time coming to reality that he has a child and a wife to care for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure this just, really threw a wrench like oh great and now my brother's a serial killer also. <laughs> um and that's how the movie ends you see like a you know a shot of her driving back to lithuania and that ends pretty much it and i mean i don't that like i've given you all the fun juicy facts that i have too <laughs> yeah that i did not like that movie my favorites that we've done but I think I, you're right about it being pretentious I mean that just in my I'm not a film expert or anything but it seems pretentious I think the word I used was like reverse navel gazing <laughs> yeah I was like what is navel gazing what are all these gazes 
I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a film critic. Yeah, I, I didn't study film, so I'm I like. Have an order. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm googling like navel gazing. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, someone's belly button. <laughs> it just you know means not being able to see the forest for the trees. Yeah, I was thinking like navel as in like an orange or navel as in someone's belly button. I guess it does refer to the belly button in the sense that you're just so stuck up your own ass that you don't see the harm that's going on around you. Yeah, okay. Or what the world that's going on around you. Yeah, so. <laughs> this has been Phrases with Anna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's actually in the dictionary. Yes. Self-indulgent. Or excessive contemplation of oneself or a single issue at the expense of a wider view. Like I said. <laughs> yeah. What? There's also a, another word for it called omphalocepsis. Mm. Well, that one's new to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. I'm so sorry. I need to stop. We're in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a small break and then Morgan's going to tell us about Terry Poulon. Terry Poulon! <laughs> we're I, so sorry. We love our French audience. We do too. Yeah, definitely. But we are very I, sorry for the brutal mispronunciations that are about to happen. And our bad French accents. We, we apologize for that too. Yeah, so sorry. <laughs> Uh, just to make you feel better, guys, I have the artwork of the Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie's movie poster tattooed on my arm. <laughs> I'm a hardcore lover of French cinema, and I want you to know that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a small break, and then, like I said, Morgan's going to tell us about the crimes. Yeah. Go get some chippies. All right. Bye. Can't get enough true crime? I feel like everybody has one of those cases. It may even be what really got me into true crime. Do you love the paranormal? I guess clearly he's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out if your soul tastes nice. The come join Blood, Guts, and Booze. Uh, I feel like this case is pretty well known, uh, but a lot of people don't realize just how twisted this case really is. Every Sunday. They started feeling really bad for her spirit, right? Her little, her little ghosty. So they decided to invite her into their house permanently. <laughs> nope. As we talk about your worst nightmares and things that go bump in the night. Bonjour, mon amis. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> uh, we're back. <laughs> uh, Are you back? I am back. You're back here. Again. <laughs> back right. in the saddle again. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> what I was thinking of. Um, I do that all the time. That was Henry Zabrowski's mouth guitar um, sound. <laughs> the last podcast on the last. Yes. I've stolen it from him. I do it all the time in my personal life. <laughs> That's funny because I do too. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're the same person. <laughs> It's so good you you can't not. I know. It's <laughs> like uh, I love him so much. I can't wait to see them in April. I I think Andrew and I we're planning a trip to like Costa Rica or something cuz I I got to get a vacation, but on the week that they're coming to Richmond, they're doing two nights in Richmond. I think we're going to be gone. That's a bummer, dude. No, it was like the only time we could get off. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of bummed. Um, I but... mean, um, I'm just throwing this out there. If you want to look at the uh, off into the future of, say, April-ish Ooh. For, for a nice <gasps> trip to Rochester. Oh, fuck yeah, I could come to Rochester. Because I'm pretty sure that's where I'm seeing them. Yeah. Let me double check which city I bought tickets for. It was either Buffalo or Rochester. <laughs> yeah, I could totally come. Uh, I do have a wedding on the 16th of April, but I don't remember what day it is. It might even be March. I I'll get. Well, let me know because I'll get I'll... the exact dates and we'll go see the last podcast together. Yeah, fucking love those dudes. I want to meet them me too. And I'm I did. Mark wasn't coming with me. So. Oh. I'll be your date. Yes, be my Because <laughs> I, like, deliberately just didn't invite him. <laughs> I'm like, it's not your thing. I'm not going to drag you to it. It's yeah. I, yeah, I was looking at tickets, and I was looking to buy one. <laughs> so I don't think Andrew would come either. Yeah, see? It's perfect. We'll go see him together. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, you guys were just here for us uh, to decide that all together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Morgan. So get let's get into it. Okay. Um, just a fair warning. Everybody knows this if you listen to us. Um, we butcher things like pronunciations. Yeah. You no, know, we try. Yeah, we, try. we really try. Like I looked up, um, like pronunciations, like because YouTube has like how to pronounce this. So I I've looked up. Literally and... heard her listening to the pronunciation. <laughs> Come back to the room. I'll probably still ruin it. I was like, I have to listen to it again. So um, maybe I'll just play the uh, the sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> so so oh I don't God. completely butcher it. Um. But, yeah, uh, the reason why I know how to pronounce his name is because there is a French designer or something that has the same name or first name. Um, But, yeah, 
So Lou we'll Blair? get into Terry Lou Blair. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That angel and alien perfume are both like really good smelling. Yeah. No, I've I had never heard of it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. My sister wears angel like religiously. She's been wearing it as her signature perfume for like ten years. Oh my god. Yeah. So I yeah. You knew who I was talking about. Wow. I did. Yes. I was like, because they kept talking about aliens on this, because it was some YouTube two guys like talking about fashion. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, another my favorite perfume of his is called Alien, and it's mm. got it's got like a very like patchouli kind of musky, uh, chocolatey smell. Oh to it. man, I think you'd like it. I may like that. I am uh, sampler now. <laughs> Yeah, there's this uh, this perfume company that I used to buy when I was in like high school, middle school. Um, it's called Demeter. You should look it up. I uh, you know to buy from there. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, when I still wore makeup, I was obsessed with Sephora and obsessed with fragrances from Sephora. And I had the I had like the whole Demeter library. Yeah, I oh, I had like um it was dirt. I love dirt. Oh my god, I love dirt. It smells so good. And then um oh, honeysuckle. Oh, that one is good. So one time I I, I like got into mixing the two because it made this fragrant like dirt smell. <laughs> And one time I was at a party and I had a bit too much whiskey to drink. That's when I drank whiskey, but I got really sick at the party. And this creepo dude came and was like, I'll hold your hair back. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm like behind an air conditioning unit with this strange guy holding my hair as I'm like vomiting. And he goes, you smell so good. <laughs> I was just like, thanks, go away. <laughs> it stuck with me. This is like when I was 17, and it's just so weird that I'm vomiting, and he's still saying that I smell good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I made him go away. I was like, I started, like, pushing him away. Like You're You know what? Away. That's a testament to how good Demeter fragrances smell. Yeah. It, it covered up the smell of my retching. Yeah. Uh, not an advertisement, but <laughs> it should be. Yeah, right? Demeter fragrance. <laughs> We're both clearly big fans. Anyway, yeah. we've digressed a lot. Oh We're my god, I'm so sorry. About the killer. <laughs> coming back. All right, coming back around. Okay, so we'll start with the monster of Montmartre. Did I say that right? Oui. Oui. Okay, so he had a few nicknames, Monster of Montmart, <laughs> um, <Nah>. Montmart, <laughs> um, and also the Granny Killer. Um, and there were a few more French names that I did not uh, write down because I knew I'd butcher them. Um, but Thierry Paulon, so Thierry Paulon. Uh, was born November 28th, 1963, in Fort de France, in Martinique, in the Caribbean. So, 
when he was born, his mom was a teenager and his dad decided to be like, hey, I don't want this baby. I'm going to Paris. And he moved to France, um, abandoning his teenage mom, who quickly gave him up to... You mean abandoning his teenage baby mama? Well, the the teenage mama abandoned Thierry after this. Oh, she. Oh, okay. Yeah. So after. Oh, right. She was. He was raised by his grandmother. Yeah. After the dad stepped out, the mom was like, "Ah, I can't take care of this baby. And uh, bye. And then his grandmother raised him and she owned a restaurant. This was all at Martinique still. Um, But she raised him and had a restaurant. So, like, she probably didn't give him any time. Like, the restaurant business, I was raised in it too. Like, it takes up your life. And uh, other reports are saying that she, like, did not care one bit about him. Like, it was just work. Yeah. Um. So, around the age of 10, Paulon moved to be with his mom. And she had since remarried and had a new family. So when Paulon moved in, um, he didn't really get along with his step-siblings and half-siblings. And it wasn't soon after she wanted him gone, like, to move to with his dad in France. Like, never mind, I'm going to abandon you again. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah, we tried it out. Mm, not cool. It's not what I had in mind. So, bye. bye. Um, yeah, so he ended up moving in with his father in France. Uh, him and his father, it doesn't say, like, how they got along, but I'm assuming it was okay. Uh, but he didn't get along with any of the students in the school he went to. Um, there were reports that it was a lot of racism, which is understandable in this, like, I guess not, it's not condonable, but back in the seventies in France, like in Paris. So, um, he didn't get along with any of the students, uh, had no friends and he didn't like school. So after school, he became a paratrooper. And just like school, he was an outcast, mainly due to his race and also his homosexuality. At this point, this was in the late 70s, early 80s, um, and homosexuality, like, I guess it's France. I don't, I don't know. They're just, they're used to being open, but um, he didn't get along with, like, anybody in the military either. So he left... Um, and around, it was November 14th, 1982, Poulon held up an elderly woman at knife point in a grocery store. Uh, he was quickly caught because it was someone that he knew. Like, this just goes... Why did you rob someone you know? Yeah, this goes to show, like, he had no, no problem just trying to get what he wanted. Sure. It, I think it was like him versus the world kind of uh, view. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't know him or see any like videos of the way he presented himself, but the stuff he says in some of the court testimonies, just like he was just so not to be goofy, but laissez faire. Uh, yeah. Oui. Oui. 
<laughs> yes. So um, he started doing the crimes. Um, and with this woman, she was like, yeah, I know him. It's this guy. So he quickly went to jail. Um, and around June was his trial. And they sentenced him to two years. But he got out like short. So I'm assuming he stayed in jail from November to June. And then right after he was let out of prison. Um, he was supposed to serve two years, but all of it was suspended. So I don't know if he was in jail for that, that whole time. I couldn't find anything on it. Um, and then around this time after he left, he tried to move back in with his mom, uh, didn't work again. Um, they, I mean, he shortly left after that. And then after this, he became a waiter at Paris Paradis Latin, um, which is like Latin paradise. Paradis Latin. Oh, I thought you don't pronounce the S. I told you, like all (laughs) languages, there are exceptions. Oh, okay. So Paradis Latin, uh, or Latin paradise. Uh, This was a nightclub in Paris that was like known for its drag shows. Um, It was like a gay club. Um, that's when he started supposedly, like Anna said earlier, starting to dress in drag. Um, in one report, I saw that he didn't start doing the drag until after he left his boyfriend. We'll talk about, uh, but Wikipedia page says his favorite singer was Eartha Kitt and she is so cool. I fucking love Eartha Kitt. Catwoman. Oh. I was going to say she's my favorite Catwoman. Yeah. She's my favorite Catwoman. Oh Eat God. Eat your heart out Anne Hathaway. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, She's cool great. too, but and your 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 boobs are magnificent and Brokeback Mountain. Mm. I forgot her boobs are in that. They're great. Yeah. She's got nice boobs. Yeah, <laughs> they were her boobs. It wasn't like a standard. <laughs> yeah, they were hers. <laughs> yes. So, uh, he was really into the club scene and drug scene in the '80s in Paris. Um, he actually invited his mom to one of the shows, um, that's what report said. And then she left like immediately. Um, she was like, Mm-mm. yeah, his nope. family was very, um, not welcoming of his sexuality. Um, um traditional values. Yeah. Yeah. In American yeah. terms. <laughs> yeah. Even though the dad like walked out of the mom, moved to a different country, but wh- yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so around this time, it's when he met his boyfriend. I don't want to butcher it, but it's Jean Thierry Matrine. I think that's it. That's what YouTube told me. Sounds good. Yeah, I think Matrine. Um, so he was also a drug addict, um, but Matrine was like way more hardcore of a drug addict um he like could keep a job so uh Pelon was actually supporting both of them by the waiting job he also had another job um it was like hooking up photographers he was like a freelance appointment maker that's what it seemed like it was a french article that was translated so it may be like completely wrong in translation um but he was able to hold down a job but at this point, they were, like, having parties. They were, you know, like, 
up in the drug scene, cocaine, drinking champagne. Like, that was his favorite drink was just champagne, like, all the time. Um, hey, I mean, you can, I don't know about in France, but you can get really cheap champagne here. I've had that $8 Andre. Oh, yeah. We've all had the $8 Andre is the best. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if, I've probably only tried, like, one legit champagne in my entire life. Uh, me too. Um, when my sister moved in, Mallory, when she moved into one of her, the house, one of the houses that they moved into or something, um, left behind in the fridge was a bottle of Cristal. And they, my sister basically gave everyone at her wedding at the after party, like, uh, or the reception rather, uh, a sip of this Cristal. <gasps> is Cristal champagne? I think so. Most oh, positive it is. Then I have had Cristal. There you go. We both I went to a fucking Motel 8 when I was like 16 with a bottle of Cristal from my parents' restaurant. <laughs> 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 so I have pictures of me and my friend Catherine posing with it, like all dressed up, like, both holding the bottle together. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. Uh, I need to find that picture. You can post it. I'll just blur out her face. <laughs> Smiley face over <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> I think um, we have pictures of my sister chugging the crystal. Oh, nice. That's class. Like in her wedding dress, probably. <laughs> yeah, that shit's expensive and it's not even that good. Like, I'll choose a bottle of Andre over crystal. That peach Andre is pretty good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And making, Andre's if you're Andre's making mimosas anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Mamouses. <laughs> okay, sorry. We're <laughs> getting so distracted. Um, you guys love us, right? Yeah. We're gonna I, get back to it. I hope okay. you're not turning us off now. Please don't. Please, don't Please, don't. Please stay. <laughs> okay, so um he's clearly into drugs. Um and like into the party scene. So at this point, he needs more to support himself. And some reports are saying it wasn't even for the money, uh, which it's clear because he never really got much out of any of these women. Um, I think it's because he hated his grandma. <laughs> He's like killing these old ladies. I mean, um, with yeah, I mean, I'm not a licensed psychologist or anything, but with the psychology of a lot of serial killers. The victims are usually patterned after someone in their life that they're angry at. Yeah, like that wronged them. Yeah, um, like Ted Bundy killed women that looked like his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I really think it was not so much the money, but the sadistic part of it. Like, he's he was a fucking murderer, like serial killer. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you don't serial kill a kill for like $50 and some pearls here and there. Yeah, no. Like, for real, like, he really didn't make out with anything. Um, Which further I think pushed him or gave him an excuse to keep killing. Sure. Um, and He's already done so much at that point. Yeah, like his his other attacks, uh, so his second and third attack that are known, uh, October 5th, 1984, it was... Anna Barbier Ponsos and Germain Pitois. Um, they were 83 and 91. He had rushed in their homes and beaten them. Um, Anna died, but then 
he he stole 300 francs from her and i looked it up with the uh, exchange rate from 1984 france to the u.s exchange rate it was 44 dollars that's all he got and yeah that's that's nothing i don't know how much cocaine went for but you know uh nowadays that doesn't get you much (laughs) Uh, by the way the woman's name is germaine petito petito oh it's like a uh the what's the isn't that a play or something petito i don't know maybe um anywho he made out with about $44, maybe even less than that, because the exchange rate fluctuated. Um, but over the next, like, seven weeks, he just went on this, like, murder rampage um, of old women. I think the youngest, hold on, what was the youngest? I think the youngest was, like, 71 is what I got. Um, and his boyfriend, Jean-Thierry Matrin. Um, he was also implicated in, I believe, all of the cases. Um, all the ones that they were caught. Eventually. Yeah, it was October 5th, 1984, all the way to November 12th, 1984. So they were just, like, beating and um, strangling. And there was one case where he poured bleach or, like, caustic acid down her... Or caustic soda is what they said, uh, down her throat, um, before robbing her of jewelry and change, probably. Uh, that's a sadistic way, way to kill someone. Yeah, that's like super fucked up, and that's not like, hey, I have a drug problem. Let me like, you know, because that's that was his defense was that he was a drug addict and needed no, money. No, if you're a drug addict and you need money, you just kill them quickly and get out of there. Yeah, or you, you don't just pour caustic soda down their throat. Yeah, like that's the sadistic. that's torture. Yeah, they did torture a lot of them. Um, so after this, they killed. He okay, so uh, let me see. I don't want to butcher his name. Tilly uh, was actually known to have killed twenty one, but with his boyfriend, he was only convicted of nine. Nine, right. Yeah. Um, there's, like, conflicting, like, numbers. There's 20, there's 21, there's 18. I think 20 is the generally accepted number. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff is in French, too, that I got, that I was looking at. And I don't think he was actually convicted of 21. Well, I mean, he, as we know, well, you'll get to it, he wasn't actually convicted of any of them. Yeah, yeah. True. Definitely true. But anyway, continue. Um, so he, like, his MO was following these women from a store and then, like, pushing his way into the apartment as they unlocked their door. And that's, like, a fucking scary way to get caught by someone. Like, you're literally at the door with your keys. Nothing. You you have nothing. There's nowhere to run. Especially if you're an 81-year-old woman. That's when I'm most on guard is when I'm, like, op- unlocking my car and shit. Oh, me that. too. I'm, like, I'm high hyper aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, well, we, with the kind of podcast that we host, how could we not? <laughs> yeah. And just the lives that we've led. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're both small women also. Yeah, very tiny. 
I mean, yeah. you're way way small. Yeah, I, I'm four foot nine. Yeah, guys. your pocket your pocket size. Yes, I'm. Um, I'm yeah, five pocket. one and a half. We're take not small out. women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they went on with this, um, but it was mainly 1984. But with Polon, he went on. To December 20th, 1985 through June 14th, 1986, he had attacked and tortured eight more women. Um, And at this point, France was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, all these elderly women, like, people would try to, like, walk the elderly women home and they'll, no, no, get away from me. Because, like, they were the target. Um, so in France, in Paris, they're like all old biddies were just scared. Um, and police were investigating it. They had like over, I think it was like 160,000 people, um, that they matched fingerprints or like got fingerprints from and tried to match it. But, um, they could not catch this killer because all they had was fingerprints at this point, like. There's no DNA testing and stuff. Yeah. Um. So they're like going over a, a quarter of a million fingerprints. So they did know, like the police knew that um, the same person had committed them. So they were hoping they could just catch the guy in the act or bef- like right before the act or something and then get the fingerprint match. So after this... He, Poulon was um, heavy into drugs and he tried to attack one of his drug dealers with a baseball bat or somebody. It says drug dealers in a lot of... You know what that reminds me a lot of? The um, party monster murder? Oh, man. I forgot about that. You know, he died recently. Um, Michael Alig. He had been released from prison and he like OD'd like I want to say last year. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh like that, but I mean that's not surprising. Yeah, like he Of course he OD'd. Would fucking OD. Yeah, like like given the life he led, him ODing is like destiny. God, that movie. I mm-hmm. love that movie. I do too. It's so dark. Ugh. I felt bad for Seth Green. <laughs> I felt bad for Wilmer Valderrama. Oh God, no, that was okay. It wasn't Seth Green <laughs> that was in that the angel outfit. That's right. No, Seth Green is his like roommate, best That's... friend. Yeah. I've... Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> James St. James. I I have to watch this movie again. Oh, it's so fun. You do. You do. Um. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even remember where I was. Oh, so um, this is like around 1986. Poulon is highly addicted to cocaine. Um, he has like barely any friends left. He's like just partying all the time, drinking champagne. Um, he goes to jail for trying to attack supposedly his drug dealer with a baseball bat. He went to jail for a little over a year, got out. And that's when he realized that he was HIV positive. Um, They had tested him in prison and then he started showing a little symptoms. Um, So instead of like, you know, changing his life around after getting out of jail, it was like a madhouse. Um, He went more hardcore with the killings. 
Um, and I think that's like the only reason why he got caught like he did. Um, sure, but I mean, he probably, I don't know, in some regard, maybe we even wanted to. I mean, once you find out in this part, in this period of time, if you found out that you had AIDS and were HIV positive, it was a death sentence. Oh, definitely. Like, you're dead super quick. Yeah. Um, And he had, like, full-blown AIDS at this point. So he was severely sick. Like, really sick. Um, So he went on to kill two people in the same day. Um, He beat to death one woman. And then the other one he left for dead after strangling her. Um, But she actually was still alive so like i think it was he was only like 24 at this point and yeah she like just celebrated his 24th birthday yes 24th birthday that's right and he ended up getting uh they had like a sketch of it and they like quickly found him because he's he's really strange looking but like cool looking so it's really easy to pick him out yeah he's definitely um a memorable face like he did not change his appearance at all he had like a blonde mohawk like bleach mohawk dark dark skin and a large um circular round earring in his ear and he wore that all the time like all the pictures he looks the same yeah Um, so he's like super recognizable yeah very recognizable so he was accused at this point of uh, 18 murders. He claimed responsibility for 21, um, but I think 20 was the number, like you said. Uh, That's so not it, widely accepted number. 18 to 21, somewhere around there, that uh, older women that he killed. And in 1988, before his trial, he started um, getting super sick with AIDS. He got tuberculosis and meningitis. Uh, he died of, I believe, like the tuberculosis, I think, killed him. Yeah. Um, but he died April 16th of 1989 before he ever got trial. And Matrine uh, was only tried for the first nine murders. And he got a life sentence Um with a conditional release year because France has a weird like conditional release. Like you can, I guess we have it too, but they call it something really strange. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about that, that special term. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember. I didn't write it down. Um, but he ended up. Yeah. Like the translation for it is something, uh, semi Liberty regime. Uh, yeah, something, something, something like that. And a sec- oh, a security sentence is what they oh, call it. Right. Um, it's like a sentence that they're convicted of the crime, but they can serve out that. So in a right. safety period, they could be released after 18 years. So um, he had filed for release in 2008. Um, the first one was denied. And then in January, on January 9th, 2009, after 21 years, he got a semi-liberty release. Um, and that was for a period of three years. I'm assuming he was, like, on conditions um, or, like, had to wear a monitoring or something. I don't know. Yeah, like uh, being on parole. 
Yeah, well, he didn't go on parole until 2012. Right, but I mean, so I don't know like what Polish limbo. Yeah, they Polish call it a, a semi liberty regime in France. So I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, um, if you're French and you'd like to explain this to us in terms we might understand better, write in. Yeah, because he wasn't technically released all the way on parole until January 26, 2012. Right. Um, But what was crazy is that whenever uh, Pelon would be at these parties, he'd be like, okay, I got to go to the bank. And then he would actually go follow some old old biddy and attack her at her doorway. So he would tell people I'm going to the bank. (laughs) He'd come back with money. It's just fucked up that he called it going to the bank. That is fucked up. Like, because to him, it almost wasn't a lie. They were his bank. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's yeah. Sad. He would steal jewelry and so He'd try to, like, beat them into telling him where their life savings was. And many of them didn't have anything. They're fucking old as shit. All they got is, like, some costume jewelry. Well, here's the thing. He wasn't going to, like, millionaires' homes and robbing, like, really old women with, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, generational wealth or something. He's following little old ladies with tiny little French apartments who have, like, modest income. Or, yeah, like, I think, retirement money. I feel like him murdering them was, you know, his, his I don't know, pleasure and then the money was like a money. yeah the money was just like a perk of it yeah it was a perk it wasn't the reason he was there i don't think so yeah he threw his boyfriend under the bus like immediately like right when they called him he was like no that's not me and then he was like uh my boyfriend did it <laughs> yeah and then like he knew even and if they he had did, been split up at this point yeah and i mean he knew that he wasn't going to really see any jail time cuz he was practically dead anyway yeah. So why not throw your boyfriend under the bus? Try yeah. to save your uh, your uh, name, right? Yeah, because they broke up um, in 1985 uh, after... They had been split for a while. Yeah, because they got in a fight at his uh, Pelon's dad's house because Pelon's dad was like, no, my I don't want this. This is not okay. And pretty much was like, you're not gay. And then uh, Matrine got mad, and so he left Poulon and went to Paris. And he was actually a stripper for a while. Oh. Yeah, he was a stripper in a TV show. He was a stripper on a TV show? That's what I found in French Wikipedia land. That's interesting. <laughs> it was, it's a French TV show uh, called It's Better, It's Even Better the Afternoon. I don't know their real name. Um, huh. Even better in the afternoon. Because it keeps... It, Wait, it, it's even better in the afternoon? Is that like alluding to an afternoon delight? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I love the French. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, Morgan, uh, what have you been up to? I have been working a lot. But I'm back into crafting. Made some skeleton fairies. Um, yeah, (laughs) and uh, I've been watching a lot of like random horror. I finally watched Ginger Snaps. Oh, nice! That's a classic. Yeah, I think I had seen it before, 
pretty yeah. sure I saw it. Yeah, it was it was cool. They they looked really cool. Like I like the fashion, yeah, <laughs> early two thousand yeah. fashion. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, that's one of those ones that I picked up in Blockbuster as a teenager because I just kept passing by it. it. Was like yeah, it's so funny. Uh, at first, because you know, like one of my things was it's about werewolves. But why is it called Ginger Snaps? And then you're like, oh, her name <laughs> yeah. is Ginger, and she snaps. She fucking snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Clever, yeah. I see what you did there. It was it was pretty great. Yeah, that's that's about what I'm uh, up to. Still watching the there's only strangers in the apartment, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about that. I've not watched it though. Yeah, I've been watching that and what we do in the shadows. Oh, the new TV show. Uh, well, it's not new. It's well, like, I mean, it's it's like in season three, but not yeah. the movie. The TV. Not show. the movie. I fucking love the movie. Movie's yeah. Fast. No, it's the TV show. Okay, nice. Yeah. So that's about it. And what have you been up to? Hmm. Well, Mark and I popped some popcorn. Um, not last night. No, yeah. No, not last night. The night before last. So Saturday night, we popped some popcorn. And uh, we watched the new Dune movie. <gasps> oh, how was it? It was good. I liked it. Um, it wasn't like amazing, fantastic. It was. It was great. It was great. It was good. Um, I was gonna say right after that, like Mark went to sleep, and I watched um, David Lynch's Dune right after that because I wanted to like compare because it had been years since I'd seen David Lynch's Dune. So I watched both Dunes back to back essentially. So which um, one? Huh? Which one do you choose? Oh, um despite the fact that I love David Lynch, the newest one, um I think it's closer to the source material for sure. Um especially with the casting. A lot of the actors really look the way they're described in Frank Herbert's novel and that's great. Oh, that's it, cool. Yeah, because um, they were really badly miscast. And, like, there's some baffling casting decisions in David Lynch's adaptation. Um, but this is only the first half. There's going to be a second one. It's not confirmed, but, I mean, I think it earned enough money. They split Dune in half? You had to. That's a huge book. Oh, yeah, it is a huge book. Like, the main villain um, that's played by Sting in the David Lynch uh, version... Um, He's not even in this movie because in the book, you don't even meet him until, like, page... Oh, well, you meet him here and there, but he doesn't become the, the, the like... The, the heart confr- yeah. The confrontation with him doesn't happen until, like, after page 500. I never finished the book. You should. I know. It's really good. You know what is also great? Henry, from last podcast, has a deep dive podcast on it. Oh, yeah. So I didn't want to listen because I didn't finish the book and I haven't seen a movie in forever. Well, that's a good thing to listen to after you've read the book and like watch the movies again and watch. Yeah. Uh, Can I just say I'm feeling a little bit like a cougar here because I just really realized this is probably the first movie I've actually watched that has Timothy Chalamet in it. And he's he's an attractive little moody fellow. Hold on. T- what? He's 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 pretty. He's a pretty man. He's a oh, pretty, I he's see. He's a pretty twenty five year old. <laughs> he 
Hmm. I don't know. He is. He's like, I don't know. He's got like this boyish, moody charm to him. I like the striped shirt. (laughs) I Googled him. Oh, I'm like, I don't. What are you talking about? His the first picture that pops up. Okay, that's the only good one. He's got pretty eyes, and I like his hair. Is mostly Mm -hmm. what happens here. I want his hair. Like, if you have nice hair and pretty eyes, I'm gonna be like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) You could have the junkiest face ever, and you're like, (laughs) I love it. I mean, kind of. Like, if you've got pretty (laughs) eyes and pretty hair, I'm, I'm in. But then there's people I'm attracted to. I don't even look at their eyes. Like, I don't know what color eyes David's... Uh, not David Spade. <laughs> not David Spade. Oh, my God. Spader. Uh, James Spader. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not real sure what color eyes he has. I think they're blue. But I could be wrong. It's not about... It's not about that with me. With him. <laughs> <laughs> it's the voice and the way his face looks. <laughs> that, that charm. Yeah, he's very charming. Um, all right. So we're going to be doing a Halloween Gab Fest Part 2, our second Halloween Gab Fest, because um, we needed a break. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that, and um, then we're going to do something, some exciting new things in November. Um, so we'll see you guys uh, on the next episode for that. Woo! Okay. I'm so pumped for our Gab Fest. Me too. I'm excited. Bye. Bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,